0: Well, look at that. We're into double digits here on the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Thank you so much for hanging with us today. Hey, how'd you find us? Did you follow the link through on Syracuse.com or maybe spot us on social media? That's cool. But here's another great way to make sure you get every new episode of the Stick to Syracuse podcast, which comes out every Monday. You should subscribe. Go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button. then a new podcast will show up right there on your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can listen when you want. we got a great show lined up for you for episode 10. Matt Goddard from Cafe Kubal, it's coffee for the soul, joins me to discuss life in central New York, Cafe Kubal's role in that, and all the fascinating conversations you can hear just by sitting in one of his cafes. Glenn Coyne, my colleague from Syracuse.com, tells us how we've all been doing recycling wrong. He can fix it. And something a little different on the sound scene today, someone who documents a lot of the local musicians that you see. Jack Obocino, a local photographer, tells Kathleen Mason about his process of capturing the magic of local music in photos. I hope you've got a nice steaming cup of Cafe Cubal coffee right there with you. to Get ready to listen to episode 10, Just Joe. What do you say you get us going? Behind SU Sports, stone, stone where
1: weather we post.
0: Stick to Syracuse today. today. Salt potatoes, high top dogs, Dynasty barbecue all year long. Stick to Syracuse today. It's raining, it's snowing, it don't know where it's going. Stick to Syracuse today. Ladies and gentlemen, your host of Stick to Syracuse, Brett. A- best, and I think perhaps underrated things about living in Syracuse, New York, is how easy it is to get a great cup of coffee. And coffee nerds know here in Central New York one of the go-to places is Cafe Kubal. To live that old cliche, Matt Goddard started brewing great coffee in his parents' basement and worked his way up to having one of the most recognized coffee brands in Central New York. But it's more than just the beverage. It's a lifestyle, as Matt tells us here on the Stick to Syracuse podcast. Matt, they say that coffee is for closers, right? (laughs) but coffee also unites us. It's amazing how so many meetings, conversations, ideas, creativity is born by, let's go have a cup of coffee. Right. It's amazing how that becomes part of that process. Why does coffee Mm -hmm. unite us so much?
2: Uh, Coffee sets apart a period of time. Um, It's easy to commit to going out to coffee with somebody um if you don't like it you can just get up and leave (laughs) we have a lot of uh first time uh tinder (laughs) meetups over coffee (laughs) (laughs) we also have a lot of meetings you know we have a lot of coffee meetings in our cafes as well um and we have uh it's it's a in in today's time is hard enough to sit down and have a face-to-face discussion with with anybody over an appointment or anything like that. And it just is, uh, even people just bumping into each other that come to the same shop of ours regularly, end up becoming friends eventually, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm honored. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to be a part of uh, the community in Syracuse and settle down and, and start the business here was because I wanted to um, advocate for community entanglement or community discourse. Um, the American Revolution was planned in a coffee house. So. I did not know that. It was.
0: How about yeah. that? Yeah. See, the other big uniter there is beer. Right. right. Let's right. go have a beer. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Depends what time of day it is, how well you know somebody, whatever right. the case may be. But I'm fascinated how those two things in particular uh-huh. has just expanded in the last, yep. what, 10 to 15 years, right? You're celebrating yep. your 15-year anniversary. Right. It's, a good, mm-hmm. it's a good link there. Why have people embraced it more than it seems almost any time that we have before?
2: Well, for starters, they're is generally a lot more of an intrigue, I think, in the public's um, uh, desire to know. They, the, the public wants to know more about how things are made. Um, and I think that they're in general, especially in this town, at least what I've noticed in talking to my customers, is that they're interested in it right before we went live. You were asking me, you know, how we brewed this coffee and the extraction process, and then the agitation when we decanted the coffee and the chemex and that kind of thing. So it's fascinating. It, it is. Yeah. It's fascinating. That's a good starting place. There's that, and then once people get into that scene, then it's it's enjoyable, you know. And the craft movement has gained quite a bit of traction. Having a cup of coffee, I can't speak for beer necessarily. But for at least in my cafes, um, they meet up and people want to have that face to face interaction. There's still no replacement for it, even though all of the, you know, the the digital age is upon us and all that with social media or whatever. Sometimes I call it uh, anti social media.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's a good way to put it. uh, You know, people
2: still want to meet up. You can't have have a cup of coffee on Instagram. No. You could put we'll your cup a picture of coffee on of Instagram. Exactly. Yeah, sure. You could put
0: your cup of coffee right. on Instagram,
2: but it is. And they it, still do, obvi- they, of course, they, obviously, but, you know. While they're meeting up, and that's right.
0: fine. That's great. But there's something about having a cup of coffee that means we, right. let's get together. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form and, and connect over, over right. that coffee. Right. How did you get into this? How did you take that passion for coffee and turn it into what Cafe Cabal is now?
2: it just was something that i wanted to do just got an itch to explore it i'm still exploring it it was just something i wanted to do and i learned a little bit about it by dipping my toe in the water and i started to just get really interested in it and eventually you know took a trip to coffee growing origin in guatemala and then decided you know this is a whole world that i want to do if I I don't travel as much as as some
0: people do but when Mm -hmm. I travel the first thing I I do is where's the good coffee spot yeah you talk to somebody who knows where the good local spot is give me a good local coffee spot and there's never been more great local coffee spots than right here right now to think that all these places all around the country are doing the same thing you're doing from from these same spots it's it's fascinating to
3: think about
2: well, I, I, like you, always try to find a good local coffee spot, but uh, also when I travel, I also bring all my own gear. If you can do it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, where, where do you see yep. kind of your role in the
0: community and, and right. Cafe Kubal's role in the community? After 15 years yeah. being here, you brought it up. How many first dates, business right. meetings, people that, yeah. are, that connect in, in your in your stores and, and drink yeah. your coffee at home or drink your coffee wherever it shall be. What do you see kind of your role in central New York now?
2: People will often ask me that question, Brent, and they'll say, oh, yeah, he's the coffee guy or whatever. You know what, though? Cafe Cabal is in the people business. Coffee is obviously great. I'm a huge fan. I wouldn't be so passionate about it if it weren't. But I'm, one of the reasons why I'm passionate about coffee is beyond the actual beverage that it is. It is uh, more what coffee perpetuates that I'm interested in. Um, my first job in, in college, freshman year, I worked in a coffee shop and I saw what it did. I didn't know it very much about coffee at that point, but I was learning about it and I, I, I noticed what it did in a community. Um, We've had a number of success stories that, are, that have occurred um revolving around our place. Um the the third place we, there's talk of you know going out for coffee. It's a it's a place that isn't home, isn't work, but it's elsewhere. Um so we like to be uh ingrained in the community and we train our staff to be kind it's one of the core founding foundational principles that we have is to show kindness to anyone that walks in not just customers so we're the kind of place that if it's a few minutes after close you know and they walk up and they look in the window or whatever we're like come on in we we'll at least talk to you for a minute, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we, if we don't have anything to serve you, but we always have something to do, you know, something to give you if you come in, um, sell you, but <laughs> we always, no, we'll always, we we'll always take care of you. Um, and we also, even people that are definitely not in our cafes to buy anything, uh, someone asking for directions, someone waiting for the bus, uh, get out of the cold for a bit. Um, you know, if we can help you, we do.
0: There is a real comfort.
2: We really try to, you know, we, what our tag is coffee for the soul. We try to engage the community in whatever way we can. We try to help people that come in and then send them back off a little bit better off than when they first walked in the door.
0: What are some common mistakes that I make, that people make at home. Like, I, I'll be honest <laughs> with you, okay. I love coffee. Yep. I got a Mister Coffee at home. Cost mm. me like twenty nine bucks. Right. At, at Target. Right. Sure. And I just kind of scoop the coffee in and make it and, and go. Right. Now right. I'm, I'm I'm i do spend on coffee. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that great scene from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. When he's like, oh, that's some real gourmet stuff you yeah. got there. He's <laughs> yeah. Like, I know, Jules. I buy the coffee because my yeah. wife buys crap, right? I'm editing myself. There's a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm that guy. Like, uh-huh. I, I'm a nerd about my coffee. But uh-huh. I, I, yeah. You've got the thing and you're <laughs> swirling around and you're doing the thing. I'm like, oh, man, I am not doing this right. So, what's the best tip you can give somebody like me that wants to make better coffee at home?
2: Well, I'm sure that you're much better at interviewing athletes than I am. So I can't handle that, but thanks for, uh, thanks for the vote of confidence. But there are just a thousand different things that are variables people don't, um, consider. Um, I would say probably first and foremost, everything has to be clean, cleaned regularly coffee. You know, if you have like a, a mug, if you have like two or three sips left in a coffee mug, and then leave it set for a week. You'll have like a layer that's, yeah, that's not pleasant nasty. in the button. No, yeah. so I mean, there's the, it, coffee can um, sour after that, and it just over the t- over time. Not cleaning your equipment is you know going to be detrimental to the, the effect of it. Water temperature is a huge factor. Your coffee brewer probably uh, doesn't ever achieve the correct temperature due to the heating element being underpowered even extraction so if you have water evenly dispersed among all the grounds how many times have you pulled out the funnel and you've seen oh just a couple dry ones in there that means that they were not used and other ones were overused Mm. so kind of like running water through the same grounds is going to be a little bitter you know so there's just so many different factors uh grind size type of grinder you have uh particulate uniformity in the grinds uh so there's just Man, there is a whole I could go on and on and yeah. i mean yeah there is a i mean whole world here you should check out our homebrewing classes where we can cover a lot of these things in depth
0: i th- i uh, want to do this all right, I want to do this. I'm in. I'm in I got to make good
3: coffee at home. I
0: think I'm making good coffee at home. We'll open. get you hearing what you're saying. At I'm like, least yep, I'm doing all these things wrong. Yeah, at <laughs>
2: least better than where you started. will definitely get you better off, Matt.
0: I ask everybody that comes sure. on the Stick to Syracuse podcast yep. this question,
2: and I want to ask you this question: Sure, what makes Syracuse Syracuse? <laughs> I think um, it's a personality. You know, I think I'm. Originally from here, so I'm familiar with the culture. Um, such bad traffic around here, right?
0: <laughs> That's why everybody leaves the dome early, right?
2: Got to beat that traffic. Oh, on up by ten <laughs> looks good. All right, let's go. Uh, or down by ten this year. My dad but... <laughs> had that down to a science.
0: God rest his soul. He had that down to a science. I, I it's get right out of there at the right time.
2: So, in all seriousness, so so I think it is a. Uh, a healthy balance of optimism and realism in the town. Uh, Syracuse has been a test market for chain retailers. It's been that way for since I was a tiny kid. I remember new concepts coming in and testing out their whole uh, presentation to people in Syracuse test market. So I think it's a good cross section of the United States. But there's a, a there's an amount of uh, skepticism in syracusans willingness to adopt new concepts and then once it is successfully communicated and they and people from here like myself feel heard then they are fanatical and fully adopted kind of like haddock and italian restaurants that's right that's right <laughs> one thing that we do have quite an abundance of um, great coffee and now great coffee that's but right. i'll tell you it, It took me a long time to communicate that and get people used to the idea of artisan roasted coffee and small batch roasters and cafes. Um, It just took a long time, you know, just talking and going to farmer's markets and grassroots things and efforts and this and that. But um, I think that we have enough people, at least, that support us now that are convinced that are all about it.
0: part of our lives in central new york but have we been putting the right things in them glenn coin of syracuse.com wrote about this recently and as it turns out kind of here's glenn on what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong when it comes to recycling in central new york and how we
4: can fix it well we're certainly not doing it all wrong in, in fact uh onondaga county has a pretty good rate we have a one percent contamination rate meaning one percent of the stuff that goes in in the recycling shouldn't go there there are a lot of places that have 20% or more. So even though we might be doing some things wrong, we're still pretty good. Um, that doesn't help us in the greater recycling crisis, which is basically that nationwide, worldwide, there's just too much stuff in recycling that shouldn't be there. So China has stopped taking a lot of things, including paper, and that has really driven the market down. Um, but, but here in Autodogne County, despite the fact that we do well, we still put in about 400 tons of garbage every year into the recycling. Wow. That's a, so so the 1% is still 400 tons.
0: Okay, we all want to be better recyclers, right? Here's a few tips on what not to do.
4: Three major things that Okra told me. One, people in, with good intentions put their recyclables in a plastic bag before putting them in the blue bin. They don't want them to get wet. Don't do that.
0: Don't do that.
4: Here's what happens. Those plastic bags come on the recycling line of in Liverpool, and they get thrown away immediately. It's a worker safety issue. They don't want people cutting open those bags, knowing and not knowing what they're going to find. So that's 120 tons a year of stuff that probably is recyclable, but they can't tell, so they, so they throw it in the incinerator. So that's the big one. Number two, plastic bags. Your the the checkout you know bags you get at the grocery store, etc. Those are not well. They are recyclable, but don't put them in your blue bin. What happens is they get to the recycling plant, they get wrapped up in the machinery and, and jam it up. Four times a day, roughly, they have to pull stuff out of the spinning machinery. Plastic bags, those, those you know one-time-use bags, um, those can go to big-box stores, supermarkets, which by law must take them, and then uh, they, those get recycled that way. Third thing is what they call textiles. So that's uh, old clothes, towels, um, stuffed animals, et cetera. Uh, again, that's those are recyclable, but not through your blue bin. Um, they they end up like the plastic bags, getting caught up in the machinery and jamming it. So what you can do with all of those, though, is take them to Rescue Mission, uh, Salvation Army, and they will either, if it's a reasonable piece of clothing, they'll sell it or, or have someone wear it. If it's not an old towel, maybe a ripped up old stuffed animal, those can get. Uh, cut up and made into other things, like filling for sleeping bags, etc. So, So a lot of things are recyclable, like plastic bags and textiles, but not in your blue bin.
0: You think you're doing the right thing, placing something in the blue bin and it's off to be recycled, but sometimes we're not. There's even a term for it.
4: That feeling you have is what they call wish cycling. You want this thing to be recycled because you don't want to see it get burned or, or landfilled, right? So you put it in the bin yeah, well-meaning, right? Uh, one of my favorite uh, things that people put in garden hoses, <laughs> um, thinking, "Hey, they're plastic, they're, plastic, they're recyclable." Right? Yeah. Well, what yeah. happened is they're, ca- they're what they call tangler. They get tangled up in the machinery and get tossed out. So, so when in doubt, throw it out. But before that, uh, check Okra's website, uh, Okra.org, and uh, check what what is recyclable and what's not.
2: Hey, what do you say?
0: Jack Obocino, the winner of this year's Spirit of the Sammies Award, given to honor a recipient whose generosity, positive attitude, and love of music infectiously elevates the souls of all he or she touches, infuses our local music community with a greater sense of purpose, and affirms our conviction that Syracuse is a great place to make music and a great place to be alive. Jack Obocino won that award this year. He talks to Kathleen Mason about that in his work covering live music as a photographer. Let's go on the sound scene.
3: I found myself with a lot of time on my hands about a dozen years ago as a result of uh, divorce, as a result of uh, the kids growing up, empty nest. Uh, I was going out quite a bit, and um, I just wanted to be involved, and, and photography seemed like a good way. I had attempted photography of, uh, of bands back in the 70s and, in my opinion, failed miserably. <laughs> uh, I had photographed, you know, some national bands back when you could bring equipment right into the uh, into the War Memorial. I had photographed uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I photographed Jethro Tull, Uriah Heep, uh, Manfred Mann, uh, much of the list as I can remember but back in those days you could you could walk in with a backpack a tripod you know all your camera gear no one no one stopped you no one searched you
1: but the local see the
3: local started like I say about a dozen years ago or so I'd gotten into digital photography people have described it like it's a one way street they fail to realize what I've gotten out of being involved with the local music community I mean I mentally have gone on so many trips through the lyrics of, of local musicians uh it's been a, a build me up kind of thing when i you know when i'm down and i need a little bit of uh pick me up and i just i, I gravitate towards the songwriters i mean i like it all but i gravitate towards songwriters that you're well aware If I'm on and I'm photographing just the drummer, everything else drops out. I don't hear the vocals. I don't hear the guitar player. I am focused on the drummer. And usually, you know, I can predict when he's going to hit the splash, when he's going to have both sticks up in the air after watching. You know, so while I'm photographing the lead singer, I'm also keeping an eye on, on the drummer because... He's next. That's where, you know, my focus is going to be. A lot of times even that's not predictable because uh, the drummers are setting back and depending on what the other band members are doing, there might not be a, a, a clean sight line. So, you know, all of a sudden a sight line will open up. It's like the lane opening up in basketball. When it's there, you take advantage. So if all of a sudden the uh, the singer moves over and there's a clean sight line on the drummer, then he's the he's the focus for that moment. Uh, so there's there's certain things that I look for, and it just becomes you know it just becomes uh, second nature. But does the music itself help? No, because it kind of drops out at the end of a, a show. Someone will ask me if they you know if they did a, a particular song, and it's like mm, I'm not quite sure.
1: I'll tell you over the years it's been amazing to have you because the gift that you've given to so many musicians, musicians starting out, local musicians, it's great to have content now in this sort of digital world and it's expensive to have a photographer and for you to come and to take photos of them and then just give them to people, me included... It's amazing. It's a huge, huge gift. Um, So it isn't just someone snapping with a cell phone. It's a professional photo.
3: Again, it's payback. I I understand. It's not as much a gift as (laughs) as a return.
1: Will you do this... Forever, um, Is it something that you might slow down sooner or later? Or is this something that you just... It's I've just... definitely
3: slowed down. <laughs> I, you know, I've got certain shows that I commit to. Uh, I was at the Sammy's. Those are big events photographically wise. They, they take a lot out of me at the mm-hmm. show. They take a lot of edit time. I, I don't have the attention span I used to. I used to be able to edit those shows in, in a couple of days and the last uh, Sammy show took me a little closer to a couple of weeks.
1: Tell me about the Sammy award that you received and and how you feel about that going forward?
3: I questioned it. I, I've known about it since December because mm-hmm. they wanted to know how to spell the name on the award <laughs> um, and I you know I, I have questioned. Why it's they said that this is something they have wanted to do for a couple of years. I'm not quite sure what you think of the award, but a lot of people look at that award as he's helping in the community through photography. Mm-hmm. But the way the Sammy, I wish I had brought the, the press release, uh, the, the Sammies want. The award to mean more than just someone who is helping with photography or helping with promotions. Uh, just the positivity about the music community, about Syracuse in general. Right, it's
1: the spirit of the Syracuse and Area Music a, Awards. Exactly. And I believe you entail that, so that makes total sense to me. Thank you.
0: And now, sounds from our next episode. One of the most popular acoustic duos in the Northeast, the Cadleys. You know, and I heard her in church and said, you know, You're too good to be playing for God. You really need to be
3: out playing for sinners in saloons and casinos. (laughs) So please
0: come play with me. That's next time on the Stick to Syracuse podcast. We thank you for listening to Episode 10. Don't forget, you can subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thanks to our guests today, Matt Goddard from Cafe Kubol, Glenn Coyne from Syracuse.com, and Jack Obuchino with Kathleen Mason on the sound scene. My name is Brent Dax. Until next time, I'll meet you at PNC.